you know, Compto has some trailblazing beginnings. We're 51 years old. We were started by Reverend Jerry Moore and Harold B. Williams. They attended an American Transit Association conference, now that's APTA, back in 1970. And they were shocked that they didn't see many people who looked like them in the room. This is Transit Unplugged. I'm Paul Comfort. Good to be with you on another edition of the world's leading transit executive podcast, Transit Unplugged News and Views this week with our special guest, newsmaker guest, April Rye, who is the head of COMTO, the Conference of Minority Transportation Officials. Recently attended their conference in Miami, which was a big success with over 800 attendees. April catches us up on COMTO's recent activities and where they're headed in the future. First off, though, we'll take a look at headline news, and then after the Newsmaker interview, stay tuned for the future public transportation for some important program notes. First off in news headlines here in the United States, a total of 35 states and three territories were awarded $172 million from the United States Department of Transportation's Federal Highway Administration to improve ferry service and provide more travel options. That's right, boat ferry service. We haven't talked a lot about that on Transit Unplugged, but it is a part of a lot of the transit agencies around the country, part of their portfolio. Under the Biden-Harris administration, the FHWA says funding for ferry service is at historic levels to support multimodal transportation services that meet the needs of residents, including $300 million in FTA, Federal Transit Administration, competitive funding that was recently announced. The bipartisan infrastructure law provides $912 million in formula funding over five years through FHWA's ferry boat program, more than doubling the amount provided under the 2015 FAST Act. And it expands eligibility that can include ferry maintenance facilities, the purchase of transit vehicles such as buses and shuttles used exclusively to transport passengers as an integral part of an intermodal ferry trip. The funding can also be used for capital improvements to existing ferry operations, which could increase the number of riders, relieve congestion, or address environmental or significant operational concerns. Big money coming out of Washington for ferries across the United States. In other news, a a quick look at CEO news, the Kansas City Area Transportation Authority Board of Commissioners issued a statement at the end of July that it had accepted the resignation of our friend here on Transit Unplugged, KCATA President and CEO Robbie Mackinnon. The statement read, the board wants to express its appreciation for Robbie's service to KCATA, first as a commissioner and then as its CEO. The statement continued, under Robbie's leadership, KCATA has been an innovator in public transit, expanding the mission of KCATA beyond bus service to include things like ride KC bike and scooter programs and the zero fare initiative that all but eliminated fares for those using KCATA buses. These programs have led the nation in trying to arrest the effects of a changing climate while also providing an equitable system for those who are most reliant on KCATA's vehicles to get to their jobs, medical appointments, and other needed destinations. KCATA's board wishes Robbie nothing but the best in his future endeavors. Robbie was appointed to the KCATA Board of Commissioners back in 2007 to represent Jackson County, Missouri, and remained in his role through 2015, and he was named president and CEO of KCATA in 2016. The transformation of regional transit under Mackinac's leadership began with bringing several different transit systems under the Ride KC moniker, where they now function as a regional network. 
During his time at KCATA, the system saw the opening of the KC Streetcar in 2016 with a Main Street extension and riverfront extension planned and a high-capacity east-west connection being studied. The region also became a proving ground for bus rapid transit with KCATA's main max and followed by Troost max and Prospect Max in 2019. And the authority is studying a BRT connecting downtown Kansas City, Missouri with downtown Independence, Missouri. In 2016, KCATA formed the first public-private collaboration pilot to pilot on-demand services and to evaluate and share findings on mobility options. KCATA also launched Ride KC Freedom On Demand to provide service to those with disabilities and offering another transportation option for those who are not disabled. Ensuring transit was accessible and equitable was a particular focus of Mackinnon's while at KCATA. The authority developed a wayfinding app to assist blind and visually impaired transit customers navigate its system. As you may know, Robbie is the only blind CEO of a major transit system in America. They also partnered with the Veterans Community Project and the Greater Kansas City AFL-CIO to launch Veterans Pass, which allowed all those who served free transit. And KCATA has been the industry benchmark for offering zero fare services. Last December, when President Joe Biden was promoting the impact of the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act to transit, he visited Kansas City and KCATA to put a spotlight on the authority's zero fare, zero emissions plan. And finally, KCATA was recently recognized by the American Public Transportation Association with its 2022 Outstanding Public Transportation System Achievement Award, which said the authority's efforts have helped change the local regional and national transit landscape. We wish the best to Robbie Mackin as well in his next steps in his career. And now we head on to April Rye, our newsmaker interview. Be sure to stay tuned to the end of the podcast for a look at the future of public transportation. Good to be with you on another edition of Transit Unplugged News and Views this week with April Rye, President and CEO of COMTO, the Conference of Minority Transportation Officials. April, thank you so much for being our guest today. Thank you so much, Paul, for having me. April and I were recently together down in Miami for your very successful Comto conference uh, with, you know, 750, 800 people there. It was a great gathering. Your first time back in person in quite a while. Tell us some about the conference and what, what came out of it. We are so excited at how the conference came together. It was our 51st national meeting and training conference. And as you stated, the first since we had to take a hiatus due to covid And I got to tell you, we thought we were so smart using our data to figure out how many people would be there. We thought "Eh, 250, 350, (laughs) completely got that wrong. Blew the doors off, yeah. Your more came into Fort Lauderdale and we could not be more pleased, especially just the engagement and the high level speakers that we had. April Ryan, White House correspondent, Jennifer Hammondy, NTSB, Omar Osman, Secretary of Illinois DOT, and others, Amit Bose, FRA, Veronica Vantrapool, FTA, and so many others were, were really great to participate and share insights about how do we move this industry forward past this disruption of the pandemic. I know we're recording this early in the morning, but uh, what what is the answer to that? Did you did you were you able to be in enough sessions where you were able to kind of you know put together what you were hearing? I got to tell you, if I had to encapsulate it, I would say we've learned a lot since the pandemic and we realized that things will never be the same. We're having to make adjustments in everything, in the way we approach business as an industry, in the way that we recruit and retain our employees. Everything is different. And with those insights, we realize 
that adjustments are being made and what the workday looks like and what transportation looks like for the communities that we serve due to this disruption of the pandemic. And that's okay. We're all learning, learning from one another and really just working to move everything forward. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, when you have a this is not just like a once in a generation thing. This is like a once in a millennial you know, thing we had here where the whole world basically shut down for a year or two. And so you're right. It's not going to go back the same way it was. And you know, I've been talking with CEOs, especially of commuter services, and I heard it there as well. That, you know, this is going to be different coming back. We're having to shift from, you know, more from a commuter style to a regional rail style. The transit agencies that are increasing their nights, weekends, and midday service are seeing upticks in ridership on those non-traditional routes. And of course, the great resignation. I know you had a great session on that. I heard a lot of people talking about that one in particular and the, the, the techniques and tools to bring people back. And really it's, you know, people ask all the time. What is the biggest challenge in transportation? And it's a really difficult question to ask, but if I was forced to say something, I would say workforce, workforce, workforce. The recruiting and retention of our industry's workforce. And so if you think about what happened during the pandemic, we had so many leave the industry, many women, many minorities left the industry for various reasons. And then we also have folks having to really think carefully about what career paths they will take and also what are the values of the organizations that they join or the agencies that they join? How are they impacting the community? That's what, and I'm just going to say this generation, you're not going to get me to give them a name because there's so many names, right? But this generation really cares a lot about, you know, the good that their agency does, the good their organization does. And if it's not showcased front and center, and if it's not the way our organizations and agencies do business, we can't recruit new professionals into this industry. So we're just learning so much this pandemic. Tell us about Comto itself. I think it's been around, as you said, for many years, over 50 years, and a lot of people know about it. But for those around the world who listen, and even those here in the U.S., give us a little background on Comto and what you all do and how you're shaped by chapters and you have the national organization and those kind of things. Absolutely. You know, Comto has some trailblazing beginnings. We're 51 years old. We were started by Reverend Jerry Moore and Harold B. Williams. They attended an American Transit Association conference. Now that's APTA back in 1970. And they were shocked that they didn't see many people who looked like them in the room. And so in true Comto fashion, they approached the USDOT leadership in the room and they said, we have to talk about this. And after those conversations, a commitment from FTA was made to sponsor the first minority mobility conference at Howard University a year later. Hmm. And shortly after that meeting, the first Compto meeting took place. So it's really phenomenal. Folks that are willing to say what needs to be said, say the hard thing. That's how Compto was started. And so now our focus is simple. It's the same as it always has been. We want to change the face of transportation leadership and workforce to reflect the community served. We believe that this massive, amazing industry of transportation being the great connector, it really needs to reflect the people that are being served so that everyone can be served well. And so really, we articulate that with the mission statement of ensuring opportunities and maximum participation in the transportation industry for... And then we kind of list out minority individuals, veterans, persons with disabilities, and certified MWDBE organizations. And we really do that through our initiatives nationally, our legislative focus, and our chapters 
35, soon to be more. I'm gonna, I'm not gonna spoil it, but pretty soon we're gonna have <laughs> more that are ratified. We're really excited about that. And they focus on professional development, scholarship, paid internship opportunities, political advocacy, and most of all, partnerships. The ability to create partnerships that can move the industry forward and help organizations actualize their EDI goals. That's great. And uh, if people want to get involved in Comto, how can they do that? They can come right to the website, comptonational.org, and there's so many different ways to be involved. First, you can just become a member, and that gives you access to a phenomenal curated network of professionals who have an equity lens. These are all professionals in transportation who just care about the greater good. And within our different chapters across North America, there are representatives from the private sector, the public sector, and every single profession within the industry. Whether you are a communications and marketing transportation professional, you're an engineer, a planner, an environmental specialist, a bridge engineer, all everything in between and every mode. So it's a phenomenal network of folks who really care about the success of one another. And we're so proud to say that so many Compto members have ascended to higher heights, even White House appointees and beyond. Yes, that's wonderful. When you mentioned uh, seeing everything through the lens of equity, it reminded me of my friend Alex Wiggins, who is CEO down in New Orleans, who always uses that phrase. And he's actually included in the book that you and I have talked about. Uh, I've got a new book coming out. Pretty soon in the fall, it'll be called Conversations on Equity and Inclusion in Public Transportation, and it includes practical advice from interviews with about 15 or 20 top transit leaders, people like Alex Wiggins, India Birdsong, Adelie Legrand, uh, Inez Evans, Paul Tolliver, you know, David Kim, Linda Ford, and others. It's it's going to be, it's kind of like the people who were highlighted at your conference, a lot of them are going to be uh, telling us in this book what, what we can do right now. And that's a question I want to ask you, April. If there's someone listening right now who works in a transit agency and they see the importance of kind of what your founder saw, right? They may be in a room, whether it's a boardroom or whether it's an executive room, and they don't see the diversity that they want to see there. And they say, what can I do today, right now, to improve equity and inclusion you know, in my agency, in my community? Do you have any advice for them? I feel like everybody has to look at their own agency and their own organization like a family, right? We have some really points of pride within our family. And then we've got some secrets and some things that we say, hmm, you know, that's just yeah. <laughs> our family's challenges. Well, it's the same with organizations and agencies. First, you have to take an honest look. What's going on? What are you seeing? Are you not being able to recruit women or persons with ethnic diversity to your different positions? we got to figure out why that is. Because the one thing that's hard for me to hear I can't find any diverse candidates. I can't find any MWDBEs that are qualified for this project. It's simply not true. So we have to think about the, the point of origin. Maybe there's something going on with our hiring practices. Maybe there's something going on with the forms that we're still using with job descriptions that are 15 years old and that says you have to lift 500 pounds. Well, maybe that's why some women are not. <laughs> I mean, right. Yeah. It's not funny, but I mean, there are things like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's things like that. We just have to take an assessment and have a partner to do that assessment with you. Compto is absolutely willing to partner. We've done this for years with organizations and agencies to take a look at their recruiting and hiring practices. Also, as they think about how they engage with communities on major projects, Compto has come in many times before and assisted with that, making sure we don't tell the communities what they need, but we listen, mm. find out what is it that is actually needed within the communities related to transportation projects. So I think that's that's definitely a first step. 
That's great. And in our remaining couple minutes, tell us about what's coming for Comto in the coming year. I know you've got another big conference scheduled for LA and or tell us all about what what you want people to know about the future. I would just say we have a our strategic plan is out there and we're so proud of some of our specific focus areas, one of which is tracking and monitoring the progress of our members making sure that they are positioned to take on decision-making and leadership roles in organizations on boards. We're so proud of that. So look out for some new chapters that are going to be opened within some states within the U.S. Look out for our Celebrating Women Who Move the Nation event in March 2023. Look out for our conference in Southern California in July of 2023. And then this fall, we typically connect with the Congressional Black Caucus Foundation for our View from the Hill. So be prepared for some news about that event and also some interesting information that we're going to share about what's happened in the first year since IIJA was signed. Mm. Look out for some information on that. That's wonderful, April. Thank you so much for the work you're doing. I wanted to compliment you publicly for putting together what I thought was one of the best conferences I've been to in a long time. It was uh, very well organized. And as you said, the content was rich and you had some amazing speakers. It rivaled anything I've been to lately. And so I wanted to compliment you on that and look forward to participating with Comto going forward in the future. Thank you so much, Paul, for the opportunity. We appreciate it. Hi, this is Mike Bismar, Regional Sales Director for Terra, and this is Mike's Minute where we talk about leadership, mentorship, and kindness with the hopes it'll inspire you to pay it forward. As I continue to chat to some of our industry leaders about mentorship, I had the pleasure this past week to speak with Martin Bean, CEO of Rome Transit in Alberta, Canada. I've known Martin for several years and consider him not only an industry peer who I've had the privilege to meet in this wonderful world of transit, but more importantly, also a friend. As we spoke about mentorship, Martin stated that he's been blessed with several memorable mentors that have made an impact over his career that have all had skills and qualities that he's tried to align with his leadership style. What resonated most with Martin was their inherent ability to continually set a good example and their positive interactions with those whom they were leading, both qualities that he has tried to emulate throughout his career and throughout the organizations where he has been fortunate enough to lead. Rome Transit itself has a buddy-type system for new operators that work alongside seasoned operators sharing advice on the job, answering questions, and always being available to understand the company culture. Just as important is the mentorship attitude both in workplace and life. And outside of work, Martin attempts to lead similarly and works with the local Rotary Club and their youth mentorship program. One of his final comments that Martin shared was that he believes the key to any successful leadership style or mentorship program is trying to set a good example and always having an open door policy. I've always enjoyed sitting and visiting with Martin, his agency, and all the staff at Rome Transit, and it's clear through his leadership style and his thoughts on mentorship that it all directly aligns with the third trait I always like to speak with, kindness. Kindness is cool. Thanks for listening, and have a great week. Hi, I'm Alea Carey, a communications consultant who loves working with public transit agencies. Sometimes, whether we like it or not, our transit leadership needs to talk to the media, and it needs to happen now. If an emergency or even an urgent need to go in front of the cameras happens for your organization, what can you do to make sure leadership is prepared? First, schedule time for media training with your leadership on a regular basis. This could be twice a year, but at least do it yearly. In this training, remind them of interview basics, things like keeping responses short, staying on topic, and being prepared with an, I don't know, but I'll get back to you, response if they really don't have an answer to a reporter's question. Also, prepare a crisis communications one-page template. This is a short document that will remind your leadership of those interview basics. Most interviewees like to have something on hand to refer to. 
Finally, let everyone on your team and the leadership team know where all your crisis communications information is stored and make sure they have access. By the very nature of a crisis, it could very well be you who isn't available to facilitate the moment. If you'd like to talk more about training your leadership to talk to the press or anything else related to communications and public transit, look me up on LinkedIn. My first name is spelled E-L-E-A, last name C-A-R-E-Y. And now on to the future of public transportation. Today is a uh, is an anniversary of sorts for me. It represents uh, 35 years working in public transportation and government full time. I can't believe it. I feel like I'm still in my 30s. But I started in 1987, this week of August, as the first transportation coordinator for Queen Anne's County Department of Aging, where we transported folks to the senior centers and nursing homes and uh, medical appointments. We grew the service to start a public transit system, which in 91 was honored by CTAA, the Community Transportation. Transportation Association of America as the Community Transportation System of the Year for the United States and went on to be able to work in the public and private sector for about 30 years. And then for the last five years here in uh, as a kind of a goodwill ambassador, chief customer officer, senior vice president now for Medaxo and also for uh, the companies within it, Trapeze and Vaultus and TripSpark and working with those around the world. Had a blast. Five years with the podcast now, this last year starting the TV show, Transit Unplugged TV, and still speaking at a number of conferences around the world. I think I've spoken at over 100 events over the last 15 or 16 months and kind of spreading the good news, what I call the gospel of transit, about how public transportation and mobility can really change people's lives. I'm excited to continue that speaking this week at this coming week at the APTA Tech Conference in Denver. I'll be speaking with some friends of mine who are the CIOs, the chief innovation officers from Miami, Carlos Cruz Casas, and from D- Dallas and Seattle as well. We'll be talking about microtransit and, and on-demand transit and how paratransit has, has such an important role in our industry and how it's merging somewhat with the new microtransit in some cities. Also, while we're there, I'll be filming an episode or two actually, of the Transit Unplugged TV show. We're scheduled to interview a number of folks at the Aptitech conference, including Gary Rosenfeld, Manjeet Such from AC Transit, Steve Young from VIA, and other leaders of Apta itself. And then we'll be filming at Denver RTD. The regional transit district will be meeting with Deborah Johnson, the CEO, Michael Ford, the COO, and a number of the staff and writing the systems and having some fun on the system for an upcoming episode of Transit Unplugged TV. I'm also marking this anniversary of sorts with a brand new book project, which you may have heard me talk about. It's called Conversations on Equity and Inclusion in Public Transportation. It'll be my fourth book, and it is uploaded to the publisher. So I'm excited about it. Basically, it's a, it takes a look and explores the new reality of transit agencies, putting the focus back on the rider and improving equity and inclusion for all. We examine new trends such as using microtransit as a safety net and agencies adopting zero fare policies. We hear directly from transit agency chief executive officers to find out what the practical equity and inclusion efforts are currently underway and conduct a deep dive into how many of them are making decisions now through the lens of equity and inclusion. Basically, it's a series of conversations that I've had over the last nine months, which have not been included on the podcast, but were done just for this book, and it is practical advice from interviews with these leaders. And this includes Bakara Sanderson-Malden, the Chief of Staff from Memphis Area Transit Authority. She wrote the foreword to the book. Alex Wiggins, the CEO of the Regional Transit Authority of New Orleans. 
kicks us off. Then India Birdsong, the CEO of the Greater Cleveland RTA. Robbie Mackinnon, as mentioned, the former CEO of the Kansas City Area Transportation Authority is in the book. Adelie Legrand, CEO of Hillsborough Area Regional Transit Authority in Tampa. Noah Berger, CEO of the Merrimack Valley Regional Transit Authority in Greater Boston. Julie Tim, the CEO of Greater Richmond Transit Company, now moved on as the CEO of Sound Transit in Seattle. Just talked to her today. Inez Evans, CEO of Indigo in, in Indianapolis. Brad Miller, CEO of Pinellas Suncoast Transit Authority in Clearwater, Florida. Paul Tolliver, who I call a CEO whisperer and a member of the APTA Hall of Fame, gives us a history of equity and inclusion in public transportation, particularly here in the United States. We also go overseas and talk with Natalie Tilly Lowborough, the general manager of Metro Trains Melbourne in Australia. Then we look at a statewide review with David Kim, who is the former secretary of transportation for the state of California, a good friend of mine. And then also Veronica Vanderpool, the current deputy administrator of the Federal Transit Administration, talks about a national perspective on equity inclusion. I have a chapter in there, as does Linda Ford and the team from APTA. Then we take a look at some business leaders. I give a review of what some businesses are doing, including some tech companies when it comes to equity and inclusion. Nora Kamal from Proterra Bus, Bridget Beato from Luminar Consulting. And my pal, Freddie Fuller, and the team from Jacobs talks about the work they've been doing, leading the industry in many ways in ENI. And in conclusion, we have a great chapter from Terry White, CEO of King County Metro. All of these leaders in one book, Conversations on Equity and Inclusion in Public Transportation. They give practical advice on what they're doing right now to improve equity and inclusion in their own organizations, as well as the cities and the regions they serve. That book will be coming your way later this fall. Stay tuned here to this podcast and to social media, my uh, social media accounts on um, LinkedIn and and Instagram, et cetera, where, and Twitter, where we'll tell you more about how you can get a copy of that book. Many transit agencies are looking forward to it uh, and have told me so because uh, it may be one of the first books to the market. Uh, been lots of conversations, lots of conference sessions, lots of magazine articles, but this is a book and we go right to the leaders of the agencies who are making it work. So excited and thankful for the participants in this book as we go forward. Hey, if you're at Apta Tech next week, be sure to stop by the booth or send me a message on social media. I'd love to stop by and have a cup of coffee with you as we're there. Thank you so much for always being with us every week here on Transit Unplugged, the world's leading transit executive podcast. Stay safe out there. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Transit Unplugged News and Views with our guest, April Rye of Compto. Next week on Transit Unplugged In-Depth, Paul will be talking to Monica Backman. CEO of the Northern Virginia Transportation Commission. Now, I'd like to thank all of you for nominating Transit Unplugged the Podcast Awards. We did it. We made it to the voting round. We'll find out the results later in September. Now, don't forget to visit transitunplugged.com to sign up for our newsletter so you're always in the loop with whatever is going on in the show. If you have a comment, question, or would like to be a guest on Transit Unplugged, feel free to email us anytime at info at transitunplugged.com. So until next week, ride safe and ride happy.